Play analysis, Devin Nash be on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh, on Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. You know, I was thinking about something before the show because I'm going to just start off right off the bat choosing violence. So, you know, because it's been a couple of weeks, so I know the people miss me. Um, uh, don't expect anything less. Yeah. So I got to ask, if you live in the city of Nashville and you're a hockey fan, but you happen to be on the um, registered SO list, do you think it's wise to be a fan of the Predators? Like, would you tell people that? Like, hey, I'm a Predators fan. I bet you are, nigga. I, I bet you are. <laughs> like, I just, I just wonder how that conversation would go. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have that conversation. That, that, that's something you shouldn't, you shouldn't tell nobody. Yeah. Hey, I'm a Predators fan. I wonder why. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I know. I was thinking about I this know. at work. I, was, I uh, saw the website when you moved in. Right. Yeah. The whole city knows. <laughs> you know, but anyway, obviously y'all can see that I woke up thriving. I don't need an alarm clock to wake up. I'm motivated by hatred. This is Devin Ashby, SKA play by play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. And this is the play by play analysis back like we never left. And back like he never left because he never does leave at this point because he is the residual or future residual check holder. D1 Ignite University's finest. Nobody I'd rather be ignorant with on a random afternoon and evening than Jamal Brown. What is going on, Brother Jamal? Man, what's good with you? You know what I'm here for, man. We here to choose violence. We already started choosing. Well, you did. And, you know, we here. We ignorant. This is what we do. It's going to be a fine day here in Ignit Land, in Ignit County, in the city of Ignit Land. You know this is what we do. Right. Detroit Ignitin, you know, out here. Um, but we are here not to start off with ignorance necessarily. We are here to start off with something that we all love and it's right in the thick of things in the playoff race in the national basketball association it we are kind of midway in the second round as we speak um nba playoffs are you know now really gearing up and we're starting to separate the the pretenders from the contenders you know the 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 rich from the richer you know like we're we're separating championship teams from teams that want to be there someday. It's it's really starting to get separate. But the series that truly embodies the ignorant spirit has been, surprisingly, Golden State and Memphis. And I'm surprised only for the fact that everything that I remember you and I had a conversation, I believe, on your show where I said in the first round, I was looking forward to Memphis and Minnesota mostly because of the middle the of the Black Air Force energy. Yeah, the Black Air Force energy. But 
somehow Golden State has out Black Air Force that series. Like, I don't understand how. This is not the series I expected it to be. All the back and forth about breaking codes and people breaking shins and calling people dirty and blatant fouls and, and, and just the back and forth that has been going on on and off the court. This is not what I expected in this particular series, but that is exactly what we've gotten. And I got to say, it has really overshadowed what has been a very back and forth series between a truly up on the rise Memphis team and a Golden State team that's clearly been there before. Man, look here. Steph is tired of y'all calling them the soft light skin team. That is what's going on. Now, look, I'm just saying, Steph, y'all draft a few dark skin bubbles. Maybe we don't have this conception. But look, y'all got Jordan Poole. All right, I'll give you Gary Payton Jr. But um, other than that, y'all only draft light skin dudes. So that's really what it is. And Draymond. But yeah, Draymond, Draymond barely count. That's Donkey from Shrek. But the point of this is. We out here being colorist. <laughs> I can be. I can be colorist. You know why? Because I'm dark skinned and my last name is Brown. So what can you do to me? That's true. That's true. As the resident representative of the light skinned delegation, I must step back and defer this one to you. But I do agree. We have all my fellow light-skinned Americans, plus Draymond, you know, glad he's rocking with us, <laughs> you know. I mean, if you want to keep winning, winning rings, he, he should, but right. the whole point of everything is, look, I don't know where y'all got this perception of Steph Curry, that he was just this nice and holier-than-thou prospect. Steph Curry been talking shit from the get go. Right. Y'all just chose not to see it because he was the baby faced assassin. He was the nice guy. Yeah, I, I don't know how big of a fan you are of Bleacher Report. I know, you know, that's your competitors. You really can't be talking about Bleacher Report on the well, clock. Well, people at my job be talking about Bleacher Report on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, we know what it is, but your point, you, you, like you were saying. The point is, they had this little animated special when KD joined uh, the Warriors back in the day of the Warriors team saying they were tired of being the good guys. They wanted to be looked at as the villain. And it was just a whole musical thing. We are the super team. And it was just a bunch of things. So basically, they were the villains then, and they chose to be. And now... They're choosing this same amount of violence, except this Memphis team, we expected it from them, but not these Warriors. No one was ready. Clay is wearing the Jackie Moon headband, and just no one was prepared for this. I know I wasn't. Right, right. It's like Clay reminds me of that Republican that goes to a good school that plays against the boys from the suburbs or from the city school or the county school. And it's like, you know, you're, you know, you wear the headband and you walk funny and, you know, but you, you can talk every now and then, even if it doesn't always look fluid. Like it, it just kind of, that's, they, they, that's kind of what they are to me, but it's just, it's hilarious. I, like you said, I mean, Steph, every now and then he does. I mean, a guy that shimmies after shots, you kind of expect him to be able to talk. You know, like he's a guy that has like we we kind of think of talking trash as 
just this singular thing of like, oh, it's just what you say out your mouth. But it's also a swagger that you got to walk around with. This man, Steph, was hitting half-court jumpers and then dancing his way down the court doing two steps and, and whatnot for, like, years. You know, he he would shoot shots, and before they are even down, he would turn around and run down the court knowing he already made it. Like, that's, that's the kind of stuff Steph be doing. We just don't see it as traditional trash talk because it ain't like Ja where he come at you with that dog and... Yeah, he's not. He don't talk like like uh, Kevin Garnett. He he he's not a Chris Webber. He's not one of them guys. But you know what? I would rather you call me all kinds of bitches and hoes and, and do a whole bunch of things before you hit a shot from half court and then run back on defense before it even hits the rim. Right. You're not going to disrespect me like that. Not in front honestly, of my wife and kids. <laughs> honestly. I don't see how no one in the NBA hasn't fought Steph Curry. Because here's what you're not finna do. You hit one three in my face, all right, cool. It's the NBA. You're supposed to hit one three. You hit two threes in my face, you're an NBA shooter. You're supposed to hit two threes. You hit a third three in my face, ain't no more basketball. Now we just got to fight. Because like you said, I have a family. You're not finna do that for my wife, kids, and grandma. That's what's what's not finna happen. Right. Now, in argument to that, People wanted to get even with the Warriors a couple of years ago. Because remember when KD first left, there was, I remember we talked about Bleacher Report again. There was a story that was written where it was like an unspo- some unnamed individuals, like just around the league, people were talking about, bro. They were upset when Steph ended up getting hurt and missed like half the season because they had visions of getting even with Golden State. Like, people were ready to settle the score after what the last three years they had to endure under him. And nobody ever really got that opportunity. The only thing that happened is now a whole generation of of young ball players who watched him come in the league, and instead of now they do what he does. You know, Trey Young out here hitting shots from the logo. You You know, every now and then Ja will do it, you know, and he does his thing. You know, you still have when he's healthy, Damian Lillard be doing it too. Like, people kind of just started doing... Like, you've talked about what Steph has done in the game of basketball. Whether it's for better or for worse. Worse. It, you know? Yeah, so... That's kind of what it is now. All the, you know, the high-volume shooting threes and stuff. But, yeah, that that's what it is. The point is, though, this series has been fun. Now, it's going to take a turn because there's... Ja is dealing with injuries, and even when he does play through them, injuries in the playoffs definitely can affect you, you know. So this is going to be something to watch going forward. And also, you know, we got breaking news into the show. Steve Kerr is in COVID protocols. So now, <laughs> now we this series, which already was getting interesting before, you know, it's getting even more interesting now because now it's really like, yo, this is game two of a homestand. So you're in COVID protocol now. We don't know how long you'll be into it. So what happens if, you know, you can't go to Memphis, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it is, you know, as we're recording this, it's before that game four. So, like, it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. And there's no Luke Walton to take over this time. Right. And I don't think that would have mattered anyway because he's trash. True. But that being said, I mean, moving on to other series, 
The series that I've been paying the most attention to that has actually been fun to watch on the court has been the defending champs Boston versus the prematurely crowned champs of I mean the defending champs of Milwaukee mm. and the prematurely crowned champs of Boston, you know, which no disrespect to Boston, but I mean everybody was making a big deal of how they knocked, you know, Brooklyn out of the playoffs as they should, you know, because they roughed up KD. And they've pretty much been doing the same thing to Giannis as I expected. But Milwaukee has a much better roster, and I've said this from the get-go, they have a much better roster than what Brooklyn had. So they've been able to stay afloat even in the absence of Chris Middleton and even with the struggles of Giannis. But then Giannis found something in Game 3, Started to shoot better, score 42 points, and albeit under controversial circumstances, the Milwaukee Bucks pulled out a big Game 3 win. And, you know, so with that being said, it's like this series has definitely been as fun as we thought it would be. Look, they the champions today ain't the champions no more. Look, it is this. Boston had a great series against Brooklyn. We all knew that Boston was the better team. Brooklyn just had two guys who could go off at any time. And they didn't. Well, guess what? Those two guys didn't. And they got ditched. But you know what? What I've been saying about Jason Tatum his entire career, I don't knock his talent. I think he's talented. I never said he was a scrub. But I still think Jason Tatum is a little mentally soft. And beating Brooklyn, two guys like Kyrie and KD, who are not always mentally there, that doesn't prove anything to me. Like, yes, you outplayed them because you you were more talented in the series than them. That's life. But if he were to beat the Bucks, the Bucks are a very strong-willed, mentally strong team. To beat them, you gotta beat them. There's no stealing a win. There's no lucking out. No, you just gotta beat them. That's the only way they're going down. So Tatum, he the the Celtics will go as far as Tatum can take them. And if he cannot take them past them, past the Bucks, well then, Giannis is Giannis. He we are who they thought they were. And look, they're shorthanded because Chris Middleton now ain't playing. You know. And the other thing is to your point about Tatum. There are times where he just mentally seems checked out. Like he has not showed up most of this series. Like a lot of people point to, oh, you know, the controversial foul call that wasn't actually technically a foul call against Marcus Smart where he they called him for the the new James Harden rule. Remember they came in this year and they weren't letting dudes do that little rip move and drawing fouls when they weren't clearly weren't shooting, but in this particular case that rule probably even though they said it was the correct call they probably shouldn't have called it and instead you know he gets caught up with that and a lot of people are going to point to that like oh that's the reason they lost i think jason tatum going four of 19 (laughs) um is is probably the reason they lost but that that's just the basketball watcher in me and the fact that he went six of 18 in game one is probably why they lost that one you know like In the two games that they've lost, he ain't gonna win. yeah, exactly. The two games they've lost, he is not. He's only had one game for real in this series where he's really played like the guy that we think he's capable of playing like. But in these losses, he's been awful. Nowhere to be found. Jalen Brown has been out there by himself, and Al Horford with his resurgence. 
think, you know, Al Harford being your second leading scorer in 2022 is not acceptable. Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. Yeah. You know, but that series is going to be fun to watch. The game is on now as we speak, so we're going to see what happens. It's probably going to be over by the time this pod is over, but we'll see. You know, so we'll have updates throughout the show. But, you know, we're moving on to your favorite team, the Miami Heat, who, after looking very dominant in two games, suddenly are dealing with the return of Joel Embiid, and the series is knotted up at two games apiece. You know, no road team has won a game in this series yet, similar to the other series out west with Dallas and um, and uh, Phoenix. No, no road teams have won yet, so it's one of those type of series, and it's really looking like the first team to win on the road is going to pull it out, you know, because... That's that's kind of where we're at with it, but I kind of I had a lot of people are like you know Embiid is a great player he got robbed for MVP but we're gonna talk about that later. Nobody I had Miami beating this series beating them even if Embiid played. That being said, he's clearly been a difference maker for Philly even halfway healthy with that mask on and that concussion and all that other stuff. Well. Embiid has been a large portion, yes. And in game four, Harden decided to show up for the first time in the series. I didn't think he was going to stay quiet for the entire series. So I'll give him that. I can't take away 31 points is 31 points. But the big kicker is, is Embiid a big deal? Yes. He's probably a top five to top ten player on the planet. But you know what else is probably a bigger deal? I don't know too many NBA games where you win when you shoot 23% from three. Yeah, that is pretty trash. The the Heat have been god-awful from three in games three and four. And you know what? Allow me to choose violence right quick because, damn it, Eric Spolstra, you pissing me off. Spo, I love you. I've loved you for a long time. I've been a Heat fan for a long time. Why the hell is Duncan Robinson not in the game? Why is bum-ass Gabe Vincent getting his minutes? Uh, Captain Scully, you, you are not a Heat fan, so you are impartial in this. So let me ask you this question. I'm, I'm going to ask you a impartial questions, you know, just based on facts and figures. Right. Is Duncan Robinson one of the better shooters in the NBA? Yes. Um, was Miami having problems shooting from three in games three and four? Yes. So tell me, how does it make sense that you have one of the better shooters in the league on the planet at that, on your squad, and he doesn't play. Not to mention the fact that you're paying him insane amounts of money to just sit down and collect checks. To sit there. I mean, what? It'd be different if Gabe Vincent was out there balling and I could say, well, he's earning his minutes. No, Gabe Vincent has yet to score over eight points. So why is he getting Duncan's minutes when we're having problems shooting? Which is why I expect Eric Spolstra to make some very tough decisions coming up on this game five <laughs> that that is exact like you cannot keep him on the bench forever the way y'all been shooting jimmy butler is not the best three-point shooter in the world you know pj tucker and tyler hero are not like creators per se like they're guys who well hero can be but he's not technically used that way all the time but you know kyle lowry has been too beat up to really rely on him 
I don't know why we're still putting Kyle Lowry in the game. He was he's a savvy vet to have, yes, but when it was clear it was clearly that he was hobbled out there, I don't know why he was still in the game. Right. And then now he might not even play again because, again, he re-aggravated the same injury that he injured. So this is this is turning into a very concerning series for Miami. I am not fully concerned because I do believe in Miami we can beat them twice. I do, too. Now, like you said, we don't have we don't have to either close out in Philly or take it to game seven. I personally don't like game sevens. I would rather finish it out in six. But I am not worried for my heat because even though Spo is pissing me off, Spo is not one to blow a lead. Right, and he's been now, there before. The man's won four championships. Yes, Spo, Spo is not new to this, not to mention we have the godfather above us and Pat Riley. So he's not going to let that happen. Heat cultured will not let that happen. Jimmy has to go score a 50-point triple-double. He will. And he's shown he's capable of doing it. I don't see us going down. I also don't see Harden going for 30 again. Right. Yeah, Harden, clearly. The other thing is, I know people will relegate it to the fact that, oh, yeah, he's not the same player he was. And, you know, he's old. Which he is. Which, you know, we give that to him. But this is also the playoffs. It's not like Harden was the just lights out guy that we expect in the playoffs traditionally anyway. Like, you know, he's... Uh, he's clearly lost a step. He's clearly washed. But the playoff Harden as well. Like, I mean, we're not just going to... Like, there's something about when Harden gets to the playoffs and you go from being one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen in our lifetimes to whatever the hell it is that he'd be doing in the playoffs. Like, you know. I'm never going to let that game against Golden State go. Houston missed, I, I believe it was 28 straight threes, and eight to nine of them were Harden's. Like, look, that's what pisses me off about James Harden is you always want to shoot that stupid step back when you don't have a problem getting to the hole. Because you know what? I don't know about shoot. I have never been an NBA player. I was a decent basketball player. I'm not going to say I was great. But you know what I don't do after I missed three or four threes in a row? I'm not going to keep shooting them because sometimes the ball just doesn't fall in the basket. Right. You know, but I mean, I guess it's different in the NBA because in the NBA, you kind of want to believe that one or two of them will eventually fall. You don't want to. It's like an NBA. It's like an athletic thing. Like you don't want to um, get scared and lose your confidence. Like you just keep shooting. But they're just some nice, bro. If you're missing 28 straight threes, like the time has come to just stop. Like there, there has to be. An off point. <laughs> Eventually, I, mean, I, I will never I forget. I'm gonna never. Okay. I'm gonna never forget Game Six against the Spurs. They lost by 42 points. Might have been one of the all-time letdowns in NBA playoff history. These niggas lost by 42. Where's James Harden after the game? Right down there in King of Diamonds. <laughs> right there in the strip club, bro. I'm like, and not to say. That he can't, you know, like some people, when you lose a game like that, you want to get it out your system. I get it. So I'm not going to get too hard on him. But that's just like, those are the kind of things, you know, it's just Harden is, this is who Harden has been. You know? It doesn't look good, but you can't, just like you can't tell someone how to grieve when someone dies. You can't right. tell someone how to take a loss. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why that's I'm not going to like kill him for that and, per se. And especially since like, is that any different than how he celebrates wins? Not really. 
The only difference is exactly. little baby will be there with him. <laughs> exactly. So it's not like it's out of character for him. If you're doing something that's within your character, like, yeah, I can't blame you for it because that's just you. Rather be in the strip club than like snorting cocaine or something. Yeah. You know, we don't. Hey, we we're we're not discussing winning time yet. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one choosing violence, but. From James Harden to the Slovenian James Harden, Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic. I'm a, hear me out though. Like my, my shout out to my boy Matthew and the Open Strive podcast because he he really I can't I can't unsee it now. He was like, bro, when you watch Luka Doncic play, what is he out there doing different than James Harden? Really, like in terms of his style of play, the ISO ball, the step back threes. The only real difference is Harden might be a tad, well, at least prime Harden might have been a tad bit more athletic, which is, even that's debatable. Like, you know, it's almost literally the same thing. And one guy gets praised for it endlessly, which I have my theories about why that is. I think he's, you know, he's the great European hope in this particular case, um, I, while the other I, one gets I, slandered for it. I can tell you what's the difference. Luke is a little taller. That's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, Luke, Luke is six seven, six eight. Arden's a solid six five, maybe six four. Yeah, like that's really the only difference. Their 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 games are the exact same, and their teams are similarly. At least in the early years of Houston, the way Houston was the team that they put in Houston around Harden in them early years. This the, Dallas reminds me of that right now. Like. Luca is out there with a ragtag bunch who, you know, on any given night they will light you up, but you don't expect them to do it consistently. Do it consistently. Like Jalen Brunson is an above average player, you know, and he had a very phenomenal series against Utah, but I did not expect him to do that again against the defending runner ups. Exactly. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, there's a reason he got traded from Washington. You know, like, (laughs) you know. So these guys are not Reggie Bullock is Reggie Bullock, you know. These guys are not like you know, you you need role players, but you, you need at least one other person to be like Robin for Batman. And now, Luca doesn't uh, have that. To to tell you something that I know you haven't thought about since you brought up the great European hope. You know why they take why we're putting so much stock in European basketball players? I want you to think about this. In the last decade, how many great American white players do we have? Exactly. Very, very few. I read an article a few years ago about the decline of the American white player. Because now when you think of the greatest uh, white players in the last 20 or so years, they're all European. I mean, or at least they're all foreign. Hell, even Steve Nash is Canadian. Right. Like, I dare you to make me an all-white NBA starting five without a European and make them decent. That's kind of impossible. And I remember, especially in Dallas's case, you know, when you watch Dirk Nowitzki for years, you you know, and then Mark Cuban made them comments a couple years ago where he mentioned the European game is so much better in terms of the way they taught the game. And he's like, meanwhile, our guys just... Are busy making AAU tapes or something along them lines, and it just you know I there was some there was some very quiet parts of that that I feel like some people overlook that just seemed very 
the way coded and aimed wrong. at a specific group of people. <laughs> he wasn't wrong, but the way he said it was was wasn't okay. Like that's what I'm saying. He, when I hear that, I, I I just feel like I know who he's talking about or who it probably was intended see, to be talked about. See, the thing about Mark Cuban, since you're not from Dallas, you don't understand. Mark Cuban and Jerry Jones are the same person. But Mark Cuban is younger. And be honest, Mark Cuban kind of cool. Mark Cuban seems like a guy that you'd be like, you know what? I would go to the club with you. I would hang out with you. You look like fun. Right. And he's a like, little more of a, or at least the perception of this liberal hippie billionaire who, which I don't know how there's any such thing, but that's just me. Um, yeah. You know, who's, you know, and then his team is in a smaller market. Like somehow Dallas in the NFL is completely different than Dallas in the NBA, so he's not going to get nearly the same attention as Jerry Jones. I mean, you you just got to think of the Cowboys. The Cowboys historically are good in the Mavs. The Mavericks as a franchise aren't that old to begin with, right. and two, they're not successful historically. Right. Aside from the two, the late two thousands. But yeah, but that's one. They have one championship. Yep. How many how many teams in any sport that have one championship would you say are marquee names? That's true. That's true. Well, the Knicks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Knicks. The Knicks have more than one have more than one ring. When they win them. I mean, I didn't say it was recent. <laughs> That's my thing. I'm like, bro, the Knicks get all this. The only reason the Knicks really get love is because they're in New York. If it weren't for, because I'm like, I've said this before, the New York Madison Square Garden. I don't understand what is the only iconic thing about Madison Square Garden is what opponents do there. Like everybody talks about, oh, it's the mecca of basketball. Yeah, the most memorable moments in Madison Square Garden history are all from opponents. Aside from, aside from a couple of games from Carmelo Anthony and Jeremy Lin. And Patrick Ewing. Patrick Ewing's love. Yeah, well, yeah, but that was in the 80s. I'm saying in the last 30 years, I mean, yeah, the most it's iconic it's moments in the New York Knicks history have come from opposing players. Steph Curry broke the three-point record there. LeBron has had plenty of games there. None in the playoffs, but plenty of games there where he's done stuff. I it, mean, you, you already know how the American dream works. It's just, if it's not New York or L.A., you know it's nothing. Right. And they romanticize them so much that you know. That's why I, I that's why it pissed me off like the focus on Brooklyn the entire year. Like, bro, this was a seventh seed. What other seventh seed do you know would get this attention about people talking about are they the team to beat? Should we be paying more attention to them? And then they went and got their asses cooked <laughs> in the first round. You know, but enough about ranting about New York, because I don't want to get the New York with their rats and Tim's get, on me. Don't want to get Leak upset. Right. You know, shout out to Leak though. Um uh but Moving on to that, so we bring it back to Dallas and to your point about European players. I've all I've long had this theory. They definitely do. There aren't most of the white players in the NBA now from America generally are like Tyler Hero. They're six men who shoot well and can be irritants on defense, like Caruso and Grayson Allen. Like that's kind of what most the modern day white NBA player from America. That's what they are now. So you get this influx of European guys in there. Kind of like Hispanic players in baseball where it's like, well, yeah, we do have diversity. No, you don't have niggas. You have Latinos, you know? Like, you're trying to pass them off as us because they're cheaper and easier to acquire. It's the same thing with white European players in the NBA. It's like, well, you know, it's it's, it's white guys in the league. No, 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 no. So-and-so... 
so and so Logdanovich or whatever ain't, ain't gonna be doesn't acquire to you know J- Lenny Smith <laughs> like you know it's not the Yo, same these, thing these these white guys you got have been pro since they were 14 right because of the basketball words so it's like they're they may be kids but they're mature like Luca Luca's only like 23 or so but Luca's not a child he said I've been here before I right he's been playing I think since 17 in the professional level at Europe at least a high level. He's, he became a pro at 14, but he didn't get to the top of the level until he was about 17, 18. And even Giannis, like, he played in the lower tier of Greek basketball, but he had been playing professional ball since at least, if I remember, it was like 17 or 16 that he'd been playing. He just didn't have a body type yet. It took his body a little couple of years to develop. But even Giannis, like, if he, if he wasn't undocumented, if he would have been a legal immigrant... He'd have been playing in that top level too. Yeah, there's just there's something different when we talk about it. I've been talking about it all the time with the guys I want Texas to recruit. We need to stop recruiting guys with fathers in their lives because I need people who come from nothing, who have chips on their shoulders. Those are the type of guys that are successful from European ball. A lot of them come from nothing. You you see the villages and stuff that they're from. I was about to say you look at what part of Europe that they keep getting these players from. It ain't it ain't France. It ain't uh, it ain't Paris. <laughs> it ain't it ain't London. London. No, they get they going to Eastern Europe, like the former Soviet bloc. Yeah, they go into Croatia, <laughs> Serbia, Slovenia, <laughs> like, countries they're that like, don't even no. be existing no more, bro. Like even you go all the way back. I'm like, bro, some of these people grew up right at the fall. Of like the USSR and shit, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, like they ain't they ain't getting people from Paris. They ain't they ain't not anymore. At least you know Tony Parker and, and them were cool, but like most of the best players in the league, right? Jokic, you seen his brothers? <laughs> like him and his brothers fight bears for fun. I'm sure so. they do. You know, like you, you look at where these guys are coming from. It's Eastern Europe. They ain't coming from the other side Bro, there's, <laughs> there's there's no uh, Barcelona there's no right. cheetah girls in here yeah they're not coming from Rome they coming from the slums right the hood of Europe you know it's like it's like it's like if they were American they'd be trailer trash like it's like exactly. you know like that's that's where they're getting these guys from but with that being said we're gonna move on from slandering white Europeans because we don't want to get our <laughs> our uh, show canceled over here um Still a lot of great ball to come and looking forward to it for sure. Definitely looking forward to it. And any predictions going forward, whether it's for your Heat or just the playoffs in general? Heat and six. We taking on the Bucks. Now the Bucks, that's a toss up. Um Phoenix is gonna finish off the Mass because they didn't piss off Chris Paul from his mama. And um I see I see the dubs finishing off uh Finishing off Memphis, they don't have the experience. Job being banged up is going to be a big issue. And honestly, I think Phoenix can slightly edge out Golden State because Chris Paul deserves to go back to the finals. Right, right. And I got, I got a couple words. I got a couple things to say. First of all, Memphis. See, they remind me a lot of Golden State because Memphis is going to be when, when they inevitably do get bounced out. They got some serious decisions to make going forward, and they say it's in the sense that the NBA today. It's not like it used to be. Like, you can't just wait for guys to develop and um, 
kind of like grow it old school. I think when you go, your rebuild happened way quicker than you expected. You went from Giles' rookie year, I don't think they even made the playoffs, to his second year, they're the eighth seed, to this year, they're all the way up to the number two seed. They they remind me a lot of how Golden State was when they started out. Like, Golden State kind of had a lot of homegrown talent. They didn't get a ton of, like, NBA. They didn't trade for a bunch of people. They kind of, Clay, they had a core of Clay, Steph, and Draymond, and then they kind of built it from there and filled it in. Harrison Barnes, you could really throw him in there if you want to. Um, and, and, you know, they kind of built it from there, filling it in as they went. Memphis, they know what Jai is. Do we believe Dylan Brooks is that dude? Do we believe Jaron Jackson is that dude? Do we believe Desmond Bay is that dude? Like, who who is your core besides Jai? You got to figure that out quickly. And then in today's NBA, you do need a mix of, like, you can't just be a young team. You do kind of need a mix of some NBA veterans that have been there before. So they got to get, like, one or two more guys in that locker room to help them out. And I think they'll be all right. Yeah, they definitely need a uh, no pun intended, but they need a Zebo type guy. Yeah, they, they do. need an enforcer. They need someone who's been there. They need a vet. Can you and imagine? So they can you imagine Ja on that team? Imagine Zebo, Tony Snell. That would be a great Zebo, Mark Gasol, Ja Morant, Tony Allen. That team, Tony Allen with Ja Ja Morant. If you infuse Ja Morant on that team, that would have been insane. That would have been a crazy team. Right. Like, and that's why I imagine. Like, that's what Memphis has the chance to be. Like, this team has the attitude of the grindhouse era with way more excitement. Like, I'd rather watch them. I don't know if I could watch 16 games yeah, of Memphis no grit, back in the day. There's no grit and grind. There's a lot less grit and grind on this style of play. Well, there's grit and grind, but you also got dudes that got talent. So. I mean, yes, that's But with that being said... The, the other thing I got to say is, while I do want Miami to win, because I do believe that the Eastern Conference Finals, regardless of who comes out of that series, is going to be a classic. Part of me so badly wants to see Joel Embiid and Giannis go back and forth for seven games. I just, I just, because I just want to see it because we should have seen it last year, but Ben Simmons and company just. You know, went to bed. They were being Ben Simmons. And I truly believe, maybe not this year, but I truly believe last year had Simmons and Embiid and them boys, I think they matched up better with Milwaukee than Atlanta did in terms of who they could throw at Giannis. Like, you had Embiid and you had Simmons. Not to say that that they wouldn't have still won because I think they probably still would have. But Philly matched up way better than Atlanta did in terms of, like, defensively. I mean, yeah, because they have a legit big, someone who's going to challenge Giannis at the rim. They have that same big who's challenging Giannis at the rim can still score 30 himself. And then you had an all-NBA defensive player in Simmons that could also guard him on the wing. Exactly. It's just, look, do you think 5'10", 5'11", Trey Young is big and bad enough to deal with that? And the answer was no. Trey Young is great. But at his size in the NBA, you have to work too hard. It takes too much energy. And their best big man was, I believe it was Clint Capella. And then occasionally you could throw Danilo Gallinari. And, like, neither one of them were big enough. 
it's it's just not. Yeah, no, it just Bam, it wasn't it wasn't the Bam same. Not big enough, and they were too small for Bam. Like it just what it wasn't the same. It just clearly wasn't the same. So that being said, I just you know with all due respect to the Miami Heat, who I still think will win the series. I would have loved. I would love to see Giannis and Embiid for six games, maybe seven, probably five if James Harden keeps playing like he's playing. Because Drew Holiday will lock his shit up. <laughs> you know, like you're not, you're not wrong in your thinking. Yeah, but heat and six. It's heat and six. Yeah, no, it, it will be. But I'm just saying, like Embiid's prime is really being wasted in Philly. It is. It's the just, process, is and it's not all his fault because. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, and then he's ran into a lot of just, like, horrible situations. Like, that series against Boston a couple years ago when they were still up and coming, and then last year against Atlanta, and then I think the year before that when they lost a heartbreaker to Toronto. Like, you know, so he's had a lot of bad losses, too. But the other thing, too, I know we talk about European players and their influx. We haven't talked enough about the rise of Africa. In basketball, like you look at Embiid, for example, he's from he's from uh, he's from Cameroon. Cameroon. Yeah, you know, you look at Pascal Siakam, you know where his family was from. You look at you know a lot of these guys. There's a development going on there too. It's not quite the same level as Europe, but they're trying to get it there because you look at the new league they created and stuff. Like there's a lot of talent out of there. So. You know the NBA really is a global game now, and it's and it's amazing to see. It is amazing to see. You know, and I'm glad they embraced that, unlike baseball. <laughs> like, oh, of course, you know, baseball. So, hey guys, it's your boy Devin Nash, BSK, play by play, asking you to like and subscribe, but also to spread the word about my new book, PG vs. Moco, a memoir of high school football in the shadow of the nation's capital. The state of Maryland has produced some of the top names in college football and the NFL, from private school sensations like Trayvon Diggs and Chase Young, to the public schools that are responsible for Joe Hayden, Navarro Bowman, Sean Merriman, Trayvon Diggs, and Jake Funk, to name a few. This book is a collection of interviews and personal accounts from journalists, coaches, fans, and former and current players from public schools in two of Maryland's most prominent counties, Prince George's and Montgomery, that aims to tell our story and raise awareness on what's brewing in the area we affectionately call the DMV. I would appreciate it if you all could support by purchasing a copy on Amazon and spreading the word to friends and family. Thank you all for your love and support, and be sure to like and subscribe. We've reached my favorite part of the show. It's a segment I like to call Big Time Plays of the Day, and it's dedicated to all of the people that opened our eyes this week. It was a big time week in the real world and the sports world. We got some breaking news in the building. We have a new MVP. Well, it's not even really a new MVP technically because we got a back-to-back MVP. Again, Joel, I mean, Nikola Jokic. is now a back-to-back MVP, you know, along with Giannis, along with a couple of other... I forgot who else, but the the most recent one was Giannis. Um, I think LeBron? Has LeBron won back-to-back MVPs? I'm pretty sure LeBron has. Steve Nash did. Um, I believe Shaq did. Yeah, so 
I say all that to say, Yannick, Nikola Jokic is joining that company. It's the third, just the thirteenth player in the history to win back to back, which is and, insane considering who he's up. Like, like you said, the people that he's up with. Like my thing, I got issue with this because, and maybe, maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. But again. We look at this the same way I talk about, you know, um, the Slovenian James Harden and how much we like it when Jan, when Luka does it, but we don't like it when Harden does it. I look at Jokic and, oh, he averaged a triple-double for an entire season. Just a few years ago, y'all were telling me how empty triple-double numbers are when Russ was doing it and when he won his MVP. And they were talking about, oh, he's stat-padding and he's doing all this. And when I look back at it, Nothing Jokic has done is any different than what Russ did. He was about a six or seven seed with those triple doubles. It wasn't making his team tremendously better when he was doing it. Like it was great for numbers and stuff, but everybody was just telling, looking at all the PERs and uh, analytics and telling me how much Jokic means to his team, and it's just really hilarious to me. Hold on, hold on. What we not gonna do is disrespect the Joker. We're not going to disrespect Nikolai Jokic. Let me tell you why it's so different than what Russell Westbrook was doing. For one, Russell Westbrook's numbers were stat padding. He was only the 6 and 7 seed because that was the best his team could do. That, that's all the talent that he had around him, which is not his fault. That's not a knock on Russ. But you got to realize, Jokic, his second and third best player have been hurt for the majority of the, of the year. Where is Jamal Murray? Hurt. Where is Michael Porter Jr.? Hurt. So he is keeping this team afloat in the West while not being while not having the ability to jump over a roll of toilet paper. He is arguably the most unathletic dominant force I have ever seen in professional basketball. And people are comparing him to Embiid, Embiid had to go through the Ben Simmons. That ain't the Sixers team without the Sixers team without Embiid still has a better supporting cast than Nikolai Jokic is. He had um, Austin Rivers was his point guard. And no disrespect to Austin Rivers, but is he better than Tobias Harris? No. Uh, is he? Mm-hmm. Austin Rivers is not better than Tobias Harris. He's not, but Harris has continued to escape accountability for the money that he's being paid. The way he skates like Bow Wow and Roll Bounce from criticism whenever whenever these niggas lose. Nobody ever looks at Tobias Harris's contract the way that we look at some of these other people. It is insane to me. This man is getting paid like a superstar and hasn't played like one that entire contract. Like, they chose him. They chose him over Jimmy Buck. And, <laughs> and you're absolutely right. But the fact is, Tobias Harris is probably better than anyone else outside outside of the people I named on the Nuggets. Yeah, that's and true. Jokic is still in the playoffs. And look, if you're going to complain, remember the MVP is a regular season award. Yeah, it if is. we want it, if we want to extend it to the playoffs, cool. I get why Embiid is still in the running, and so would Giannis. But it is a regular season award. He's still averaging. 28 um 8 and I think 11 it was like no 28 so, 11 and, 
eight or something. Something oh, like that. Eleven and eight. Yeah, so it's still good. Not to take anything away from MB. I still don't understand how points per game is the scoring champion and not total points scored. But hey, I don't make the rules. So yeah. You don't put some respect on Batman's villain. Or I'm send his brothers to. You know, I just it just I I just think about it. I'm just like, bro. Like you said, I mean this is the list of people that have won back to back. Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Moses Malone, not to be confused with the pedophile Carl Malone, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tim Duncan, Steve Nash. I think we mentioned LeBron, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Are we really putting Jokic in that conversation with all of them? Is that because that's what he? That's where he's at. Now that he's won back to back, do we really consider Jokic to be among that tier of players? Yes. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because those players were historical figures, and they and the rest of them we saw play in our younger years, we have a different value on what they did. No, not just them. I'm talking about LeBron and Giannis too. Like, are we really going to put Jokic in the same conversation as LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo? I mean, with Giannis, yes. The only thing uh, Jokic has short of Giannis is a title. A a playoff win. (laughs) That's also not his fault. Because, well, look, blaming Giannis, I mean, Jokic's lack of winning is like putting that blame on LeBron's early years in Cleveland. Like, what did you want him to do? Every LeBron just didn't have nobody. But every time Jokic gets to the playoffs, they hurt. Jamal Murray hurt. Michael Porter Jr. been hurt since he was at Mizzou. What you want him to do? He's doing what he's working with what he's got. And it's not like his performance is suffering, but still, he's doing what he can. He's running the offense. He runs a 7 8 40. And I'm being generous. He has a two, a four inch vertical. He can barely dunk. He's seven feet tall. Yeah, that 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 is. Yeah, he does not get off the ground. <laughs> it's like, bro, even when he's running, he does not. He, the jumper, everything about it, it's just. Yeah, he barely gets off the ground, and for him to put up similar numbers to Embiid, who granted is also not an amazing athlete, but a much he, he better is athlete for, than Jokic. He is for a big man. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> He's a good athlete, but you got to remember, he's no bigger than Shaq was, and Shaq was a much. That's what I mean by Shaq was a Oh, yeah, Shaq was a dominant force, and I feel like Giannis is closer to Shaq in terms of, like, just being big and powerful. Even though Shaq was just big, Giannis is cut. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but that's (laughs) what I mean. If we're talking, like, just pure build, Embiid is closer to Shaq than Giannis is, because, like you just said, he's more cut yeah but like guys are have been his size and been more athletic like Matumbo was more athletic than him in his prime um and Awajuwon was about his size a little skinnier but still about that that size Awajuwon was more athletic so and he's not a great athlete he's a good athlete but he's Michael Jordan compared to Jokic yeah I was about to say he's a damn lethal shooter for a big man in modern day, you know, actually, you know who Giannis does remind me of, and I and I wasn't thinking about it until now. 
in terms of his build and maybe even to, to a lesser extent, imagine if Dwight Howard had a handle and could run like a deer. Yes. Like that prime Dwight Howard, not not in the modern day Dwight Howard, the Orlando yes. Magic Dwight Howard. If he had a handle and could run like a deer, he would have been Giannis. Would that, that's Giannis? You know, a lot of kids don't remember Dwight Howard, which is a sad thing considering how his career is man, going. Man, they just don't understand how great that man was in Orlando, and like many things, when you go to LA. Things change, people change. Right. You know? And speaking of which, we are going to, in terms of things we don't understand, we are going to move on to the next highlight in big time plays of the day. And that is, we have a lot of new music come out the past week. And there's more music coming down the road that we're going to get to later. But we're going to talk about what is out currently. And what I don't understand is why anybody had the nerve to hype up that Jack Harlow mixtape or cd or whatever the hell it was because from front to back i don't know if i've ever seen anything that i mean every single song on that album was trash it's almost impressive how terrible that album was see there you go again you hating and you falling in in line with the rest of the twitter crowd jack carlo's album was solid remember was i told you i my, i don't need an alarm clock i wake up motivated by being a hater it was solid <laughs> was good it wasn't great i gave it probably a seven out of ten but look here jack harlow can at least rap he can put two and two sentences together and make a rhyme scheme now granted his rhyme scheme were not that varied throughout this entire album they weren't that different they had good beats the songs were fun the songs were catchy he's i don't know why y'all expect him to be some kind of gangster he ain't ice cube he's white no, I mean, you know, g Easy's white. You know, Mac Miller was white. Eminem is white. Hold <laughs> you on. know? First of, all, Matt, first of all, hold on. Eminem is a different kind of white. He, he came from a trailer. We just talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no trailers in Detroit. But there might be. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, uh, you're, you just caught up in the hype because is he overhyped? Yes. No, my is thing is. Bad? No. No, I'm not saying he's bad. I just said this album was bad. There's a difference. Like, I think Harlow is kind of in that same tier as Drake. He is a pop rapper. His stuff is not super lyrical. It's not going to make you think. He's not going to challenge the status quo. It's just stuff that goes number one on Billboard and can kind of. It's like puzzle pieces. You can put it with anything. Which is why, like, the song Drake jumped on was a Drake special. Like, everything from the sample itself, like, it just, it's, it's to the point now, like, I actually can, you know, like, with Pharrell, you can pick out his his production because, you know, that four yeah, beat thing at the beginning. Didn't get that four beat intro? Yeah. Drake's, is, Drake's style is similar to that now. Like, his production, you can tell a Drake song when it's coming. Like, I knew exactly what to expect once it, once it started. And Harlow fit in seamlessly. Cause he's he's of that same tier. He's kind of like one lane. He sticks with it, and that's what he does. But I just I mean, did Drake not like this. White too. We go. We not gonna forget that Drake is white. Yeah, Drake is white, but he's got a way more. I feel like he's got a little more influence in terms of his just the things he's been around, and he's I more mean, versatile than Harlow. Yes, but also remember, Drake is an actor first. That too. 
Drake is an actor first. Drake is a character that he has been playing hell out of since 2006. He is Aubrey. Aubrey Mem- uh, motherfucking Graham. Uh, he is Aubrey Graham. Look, Harlow is a cool white boy. He can actually rap. That's more than what we can say for half of these rappers right now. Yeah, they, but least, the bar is just so terribly low. <laughs> like the, the bar for bars is actually very, very low. Like no pun intended, but this bar is ridiculous. Like Harlow's Harlow came at the perfect time because if he'd have come in the early two thousands. I don't know if he would have been able to hang with guys like Eminem and Mac Miller and No, no he, he's not on that level. But <laughs> you, you know what you know what Jack Harlow's best song is? Um What's Papa? Nope. His best song? Tyler Hero. No, honestly I think it is uh it's same guy, in my opinion. I think same guy is his best rap song to me, but I get why you picked Tyler Hero though. <laughs> Even though it is time, it is time. So I know Jack Harlow looked like a damn leprechaun, bro. Yeah. I don't, I don't get, I don't get the, 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 the somewhat. There's been a slight love affair that I've started to, that people have been trying to force this Jack Harlow agenda. In terms of, oh, he's kind of fine. I'm starting to see it. Like I'm like, no, that nigga looked like a leprechaun. He looked like Mr. Tumnus from Chronicles of Narnia, bro. That, that, I don't. I mean, you know, I ain't, I ain't gay, so maybe I just don't get it. <laughs> but like, I mean, we, you don't have to be gay to not see it like, like you know you know a fine man when you see one even if you ain't gay like, there are just dudes where you're like yeah I know he get bitches I know hoes like him right there are some dudes you're like really like this this is your type like and he's one of them but you know you know the mantra you know the saying you're not ugly you're just broke cause women Never forget, women were throwing their panties at Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav looks like a hunk of shit. And I mean that in the most literal sense that I can mean that. So I don't want to hear it. If you got money, you magically become more attractive. Right. Yeah. And money money makes changes a lot of things. That's why, you know, uh, Riff Raff, I mean, Flavor Flav, Riff Raff, I mean, these dudes, you know, Money changed a lot because if Flavor Flav was just some poor nigga on the block with a big chain around his neck, wouldn't nobody take? Wouldn't nobody like? No, no, no. First of all, they would ask, sir, why do you have a clock, not a watch, not a chain? Why do you have a whole clock? Right. Oh well, that was his. That was his thing. That was his go-to. That's not. That doesn't make it better. You can think of no other gimmick. But you gotta understand. You gotta understand the era he came up in. The two thousands was a lawless time, bro. You remember what we were wearing back then? That's not the point. He was he was wearing the clock Republic Enemy before the two thousands. He was wearing the clock during the crack era. That doesn't make it better. Well, yeah, because time was ticking on all the crackheads. Look, I I did not question Prince's assless chaps more than I questioned that <laughs> clock. <laughs> Prince made it work. That was the thing, and he made. It, you know why he did the clock? Because it's provocative. It gets people going. Nobody knows what it means. It just gets people it going. Gets people going. It you, you. Going. It gets people talking. It gets people paying attention. Who is this random? Who is this nigga with this big ass clock on his? What is wrong with him? Did y'all see that? Oh, he's on TV again. Turn it on. You got him right there. Don't give this nigga a show. Right now, speaking of shows, Ella May 
is known almost as much for the scripts that she reads after her songs as she is for the actual songs themselves. But this new album doesn't have any talking on it. But she's talking her shit though, for real though. That album was great. Now, it's the opposite of Jack Harlow's. That album was, was excellent, you know? Um, she had Kirk Franklin. He was a certified banger. Um, Fallen Angel. When I heard his, when I heard Listen, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing? I was like, I wasn't sure about that song. And then I heard Kirk Franklin's voice. I'm like, I should have known when the choir started singing. I'm like, bro, she got Lucky Day on there. She got, even the song, I'm not a Roddy Rich fan, but even the song with him was excellent. Like, I mean, not, well, yeah, it was excellent. So like, you know, her album was good. Like, and for somebody that hadn't put anything out in like four years, it was great to see that she still got it. You know, I'm just an LMA fan though. I, I'm, I, I think I kind of like R&B a little better these days. Look, I, I, lo- I like LMA too, but I will always have beef with her. I will never let it go that she had a song called Shot Clock and in a music video she had the nerve to wear a football jersey. I'm not letting that go. I'm never letting that go. I mean, they have a play clock. That's not better. <laughs> but I get, I get where you're coming from, though. Yeah, it's kind of like the girl that was singing about how half of Atlanta's not Atlanta, but she was doing it in front of the stadium in Cobb County. That was not <laughs> Atlanta. I'm like, um, Ludacris ain't Atlanta, but you doing it. You you are in Cobb County right now. I ain't even from Atlanta, and I know Cobb County ain't Atlanta. So, <laughs> like uh, somebody lied. Somebody lied, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's the case. But yeah, like you said, I mean, you know. I was starting to wonder if her label even liked her. Because, like, I hadn't even heard nothing from her. You know, she had, like, one occasional feature. But I was wondering, when are we going to get another body of work from LMA? Because she had the black community in a chokehold in 2017 when Boot Up came out. First of all, for all I, need, I need everyone to know. Boot Up was not for the women. It was. Boot Up was for us. Boot Up was this generation's When I See You. Like... <laughs> Boot up the the stranglehold it had on black men. Can Straight black men at that. <laughs> like, Can we explain it? It's kind of like so. It's in the top five of songs that are supposed to be for women, but that we clearly took over. It's up there oh, with. Yeah. It's up there with when I see you. It's up there with me myself and I. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what else. Those are the top three. I gotta think of like two more, but like those three are up there. Oh, oh yeah, we we definitely took those. Uh, like the kids just wasn't the kids just don't know the kids wasn't there. They weren't there. Y'all wasn't outside. Literally, dare you. every For single cookout you went to. For y'all who have black fathers, go play. Go in his room and play. I see you and see what he does. Right. You know, but not even. I'm not talking. I'm talking about boot up. They were playing that like it wasn't a slow song. Like bro, niggas didn't even like women. I'm talking like, bro, fuck these bitches. We get money. Boot up, come on. And it, all that changes. It's like, no, no, no. It just don't stop. Like, I'm like, bro. That song had us like crack in the 80s, bro. Man, I'll tell you, you go from gun toe. They will have dreams and nightmares going. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. And then go, then transition to feelings. Right. I'm like, whoa. It's insane. What just happened? It's really insane. It was, it was insane. But that that's the, the hold that you had. Now, speaking of crack and the hold that it had on the black community, we're going to move over to winning time because we have completed 
the first season. It was only 10 episodes, but it was a good 10 episodes. And I'm going to tell you, you know, the show was great. I mean, the, the, the last two episodes in particular. Let me tell you, Wood Harris, otherwise known as Julius from... Um, Remember from Remember the Titans, the guy from Paid in Full, because I didn't see that movie, so I don't know what his name was in there. If he don't, him and then Solomon Hughes playing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if those two don't at least get nominations for Best Supporting Actor, I'll be highly upset, because as much as you can say about the portrayal of the characters in the show, those two did a damn good job. <laughs> like, Wood Harris is a damn good actor. He's been a good actor for my entire life. It's insane. And let's not to mention more classics that were on TV. He was the manager in the New Edition movie. And the manager in the New Edition movie. That man deserves a Lifetime Achievement Award for real. Come on, that man was fighting racism, helping make Candy Girl, and taking shots in the post so Kareem could do his skyhook. And taking shots of that rock. I, I mean... Hey, shots had to come from somewhere. You know, he did. You know, then I'm like, bro, it was insane. But that last episode, man, the last couple episodes were tear jerkers, man. Like I'm telling you, the show had been somewhat of a parody and comedy for like the first couple episodes. Like I'm like, bro, these niggas are devious, especially Magic Johnson. And then you get to this episode, Jerry, um, Jerry loses his mom, and you know. Spencer gets kicked off the team because he's, you know, got the drug problems. I mean, that show, it was quite a few times I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> like, it bro. Deeper. It got, it got deep. deeper. Than, we were waiting for that. The end of it, Cookie, when old dude asked Cookie, you went to MSU, right? You know him? She's just like, nah. Yeah. Yes, I do. I'm like, damn, that kind of hurt. You know, and Magic trying to clean his image up with his new uh, documentary, and he didn't do himself no favors, bro. The only thing he did was only confirm what Winning Time had been saying all along. You telling me that you went to six finals trips and Cookie didn't even move to LA until the last one. You broke off three marriages. <laughs> Obviously, we know about the HIV. I'm like, bro, you are devious. It's like, bro, the thing, you can't change our perception of you. We know what it we is. Knew, we already knew you was wilding. We just, we wanted a dramatized, a dramatized version. It's not like we don't look at you any different. It's right. not like Cookie don't know. She's still with you, ain't she? Right, which is the other thing. Like, you know, at some point we got to stop talking about, oh, uh, you know, he did Cookie wrong. No, no, no. She went back every time. Every single time. You thought HIV would be the final straw and she still said, no, I'm going to stick beside him. Yes, you would think eventually you got to take some personal responsibility and say, look, a little bit of it is my fault. And Cookie, a little bit of it is your fault. But you stuck by your man. You knew what you wanted. He knew what he wanted eventually. So you can't make no complaints. Well, I don't even know if he knew what he wanted, but you knew that he didn't know. I said eventually. <laughs> eventually. I said eventually. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I'm like. And then the other thing is like, it just. I, I I think I'm against this whole PR campaign of athletes controlling their own documentaries because most of them like Magic and even Michael Jordan's The Last Dance. It was nice, cleaned up look at them. Some of that stuff I just like, bro. They made Scotty look 
You know, like I, 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 I like it better when when y'all don't have control over what's in it because y'all can't control the narrative all the time. Life it's doesn't not, work like that. It'd be different if they had like overwhelming beef for years. But like Scotty over the years has never said anything negative about Michael. He might have said, yeah, he was a hard guy to play with and deal with sometimes, which was nothing new. Like we all knew that. But he ain't never slandered uh, my he ain't never did this or that but my, uh, MJ in the last dance was like fuck yeah Scotty ain't want that shot like Why? and even like you, you, you framed this when you came back in what was it 94 and you came back like halfway in the season and then y'all lose in six games to the Orlando Magic and you framed it as well clearly I was tired cause you know whatever no nigga no they beat you you weren't tired you had played half a season by that point you, if you would, if you were still tired by then, then you gotta do some self examination. You know, like I don't want to hear it. Just take the lumps and look. Just accept the fact they beat you. You gonna frame this as you know they just caught us in a bad year. Like just the way the framing of it. That's why I love athlete documentaries that are athlete PR campaigns need to end. We need more winning times. We. We do need more winning times. The raw effects. Go back to Magic's. We go act like Magic and then then put that together in a weekend. Like, bro, it does not look y'all. It did not look like y'all took y'all time on this. And and then we're throwing shots like, oh, the real story, like in your commercials and stuff. Like, bro, (laughs) you just reconfirmed everything. It wasn't nothing original in that story that they didn't mention in winning time. You know? what, what, what really gets me is like, bro, for them to use your likeness in your name, you have to sign off on it. You agree to an extent. To an extent, like for acting, for acting is different than documentaries. Like acting, you, you don't have to sign off on that. He may not see. Uh, he may not have seen the final product, but he knew it was hey, happening. Someone came up to him and said, Magic, we're going to do a docu-series starring your former self in the Showtime Lakers of the 80s. Do you consent to that? At some point, someone asked him that question and he said yes. Like, and the man said, oh, you know, I'm not looking forward to it. And this is before the show came out. So you knew what was in it. <laughs> you knew how much wilding you was doing. You knew it. Some of these... Some of these interviews are on record, like the like the one when he was te- oh, sex in an elevator. You know, some people got fantasies, bro. This stuff is on record. You can pull archives up. Like <laughs> you're not gonna sit here and pretend like we don't know. But like, you know, bro, we are not going to judge you any differently you than we have already. That was forty years ago, right? Thirty years ago, like bro, we can't judge you if it's not like we don't already know. Right, the jokes are the jokes, bro. Like I mean, bro, we're not Donald Sterling. We're not just gonna tell the world you have AIDS like we don't already know. Yes, like bro, this is not <laughs> you know? a shocker. This is not news. But yeah, shout out to the first season, you know, and and stuff. So it's been a great show. But speaking of people, much like Magic. This next de- segment is dedicated to people that played themselves. You know, people that p- should probably sit down and re-examine their priorities because clearly they're out of whack. And I sent you the video. I don't know if you had a chance to look at it. But obviously, Formula One is quickly becoming one of the most popular sports in the world. You know, for obvious reason, it's, re- it's really cool racing when you look at it. You know, some of the locations they go to, whether they're in Austria, Australia, 
this weekend for the first time ever they were in Miami and obviously when you're in Miami all these celebrities are going to be there because Miami you know so naturally you're going to want to get interviews with these celebrities and Sky Sports in particular decided that they wanted to interview Patrick Mahomes except that it wasn't Patrick Mahomes it was Paolo Bancaro because for some reason a 6 foot 10 18 year old and a 6 foot Four on a generous day, a 6'3", 26-year-old who's light-skinned with nice hair, just somehow they look alike. They both stick out in the crowd (laughs) of athletes. And here's another thing of going back to asking, bro, you didn't want to ask a few seconds before you pulled your phone out, hey, bro, do you mind doing this interview? I mean, that's all you had to do. Then you would have said his name. You would have said, oh, no, nah, man, that's not me. I'm so-and-so. Damn, you could have saved yourself some embarrassment. Exactly. Instead of asking at the end of the interview, like, what's your name? Oh, I'm Paolo. Oh, it's not Patrick. <laughs> no shit. This is what we talk about when we say there's too many organizations out there that would rather be first than to get it right. <laughs> this is, this, this is the prime example. Get it right. And then, this is why everybody not journalists. This is why everybody ain't journalists. And if you are journalists, come on, bro. All niggas don't look alike. We have been over this for the last 400 years. <laughs> All niggas don't look alike. Just because just he got a, t- a temp fade and Pat Mahomes kind of sort of got his version of like a nigga mullet does not mean that they are the same person. He's got like five inch. He's 6'11". The fact that you can even see him in that crowd of people clearly proves he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is barely out. Actually, no. Patrick Mahomes is still in the realm of what I call normal people tall. Right. He's like 6'2", 6'3". He ain't that tall. NFL, NFL players aren't that tall except for like offensive linemen. A lot of them are like 6'5", 6'6". Like, for, for y'all who don't know, so I can plug my height in me, I am about 6'2". Now, am I tall? Yes. Am I above average? Yes. But you can't tell me when you go outside every day, you don't see five to six people who are at least that tall. Exactly. This is what I say. Hire more black people. It's like, it's like, a, it's like the owner of the Phoenix Suns once said, every nigga needs a nigga. <laughs> Get some get some black folks in the newsroom. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. It don't be so simple. Y'all just choose to make your lives more difficult. More difficult and more embarrassing than they have to be. It's just it's just ridiculous. That you don't know who Paolo Bancaro is, let alone that you thought he was Patrick Mahomes. But you know, that's just the growing pains of Formula One trying to get the American audience. You gotta figure out who the Go to people are, I guess. But with that being said, they're not the only ones. It, it, it's some people that were wilding in the past week. You know, Earl Thomas was one of the most feared players on the field. Apparently, we're learning this week he was also pretty feared off of it. You know, again, this man is wild. <laughs> Due to to send to threaten a woman and her children that you currently had a restraining order on against you, if I remember correctly. You are insane. A week, a couple of weeks after begging the NFL to give you another chance at that. <laughs> like, it just makes you think, is there something wrong with these guys or are they just stupid? Like, something is wrong with you. I hope it's the latter because, come on. 
Earl. You done had enough issues. You done been out the game three years. Now, I don't know about you, but unless you are a quarterback and teams get desperate, three years, you pretty much, you're done. You're yeah. not coming back. You're not coming back. And on top of everything, you got kicked out of the league for your anger issues. You're supposed to be trying to convince the NFL why you're worthy of getting a second chance. Now, I understand the NFL does not value women. I get that. But, like... We don't know that. But you can't... <laughs> if you're can't out the league already... You don't. <laughs> it's one thing if you're out the league already. Then they don't got to deal with you. If you're still in the league actively, at least they're going to pretend like, oh, we disciplined him and we spoke to him and he's clearly changed. You're outside the league, bro. They can pretend like they give a damn. It's like, yeah, they, don't, they don't have to do anything. They don't. They don't even have to give you a day. Like, bro, <laughs> you fighting teammates, now you fighting women and children, bro? Those are the first people that get pulled out if there's a fire or, or a ship is going down is women and children. You don't threaten women and children outside of the league. You can do it in the league like Tyreek Hill. Come on, man. You ain't see Titanic. You ain't ask Leo. You ain't ask Leo nothing. Nothing. Hold up, okay, okay. Not a thing. Damn it, Damn. You know? And then, then to make things worse, you already out the league. If you don't chill out, you're going to be out the Hall of Fame. Because there's an argument that you could be in there. But if you don't because we've seen people get held out for worse. They held T.O. out just because he did push-ups in his driveway. They held T.O. out for the simple fact that he didn't like him. Because he was doing push-ups in the driveway. <laughs> like, sit-ups. You know, sit-ups in the driveway. They held T.O. out because he called McNabb a drunk fuck. Which, there Which he was. Some truth to they said he was throwing up in the huddle after during the Super Bowl. <laughs> like, bro, they held him out for that. You think they ain't going to hold you out for this? <laughs> like, bro. Off the field, off the field. T.O. ain't had no issues. He ain't hurt nobody. Even Ocho Cinco hit butted his wife at the time. So. Right. You know? You know? It's just, it's a mess. But, you know, we move on to the, while we're in the state of Texas, we are going to talk about the Dallas Mavericks because they are now tied 2-2, which is great. Good news. Now, the bad news is some of their fans don't know how to act, which this is starting to become a real issue in sports in general, where fans are just starting to get a little, take this shit a little too seriously. You know? And apparently Chris Paul's mom and his wife and even his children were witness to it of a... Apparently, a teenager was out here threatening them and, and putting hands on them, and this is and got threatened to the point that even Chris Paul was ready to jump in the stands and fight this dude. Like these fans are really out of control. Fans in general do not understand that athletes are people, and this is kind of going back to what makes sports sports. Because the original sport was the Olympics, and then you know gladiators and things like that and people in the crowd tend to forget that the people they're watching are human beings so i'm gonna roll with what charles barkley had to say is anytime a fan gets too rowdy we take them to center court they agree not to file no charges and we get five minutes to make it do what they do now in this case since he was a teenager and not an adult chris paul got sons right 
I said, hey, Junior, handle my life. Wait, I think that's I think this is what we need. We do. We need it. We need it. You know, some of these teenagers need to get their asses whooped. You know, sometimes you need to put hands on these people. And look, we were teenagers once. Did we do some same things that were probably a little out of pocket? Yeah. But I also know my mom always told me, don't embarrass me in public. Oh, yeah. And I surely oh, yeah. did not. Well, to that level. Most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. like, I would never put my hands on no other grown ass adult. <laughs> not, not, not in my teens. Yeah, not in my teens. I ain't stupid. You know, that's how you get jumped. <laughs> you know, that's vigilant. That's street justice. And I think I'm the perfect person to say this as someone who has no, who is not a, a stranger on talking shit to professional athletes over over the internet. I do not talk shit to athletes that I am not willing to throw hands with. Right, right. Do, do you see me? I don't add them. I talk about them behind their backs like a real person. No, I make sure they see it. I tag them in it. I don't hide it. Right, right. And I get that. You know, yeah, we got we got to be real to ourselves. Now, from the insane parts of society, we're gonna move on to what's right with the world right now. Well played is dedicated to the stories that just made you feel good. And right now, one of the best rappers in the game has finally made his long awaited return. Kendrick Lamar. Has already put one video out and he's dropping his new album this week, May 12th. And I'm, I'm just telling you, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how he comes back. Cause it's been almost a decade now since he last dropped it. Well, not, not that long. It's been like five, six years. Yeah, five years. Yeah, so it's been a little while since we've heard from him. If you don't count the Black Panther soundtrack. Soundtrack. So. It's going to be interesting to see what he's got to say because a lot has happened since he was last on the scene. Here's the thing about Kendrick. Kendrick has, without the craziness, Kendrick has Kyrie Irving syndrome. And what I mean by that is Kyrie Irving is a great, talented basketball player. Nobody would ever dispute that outside of just being a point blank hater. But if Kyrie were to announce tomorrow, I'm retiring. I never want to touch a basketball again. Would anybody be really shocked? Nope. No, because we all know Curry's mind be on other stuff that's not basketball related, for better or for worse. Kendrick is the same way. Kendrick is a super mega talented rapper. No one could deny that. Does Kendrick care about the fame of the rap game? Absolutely not. He could give two fucks. Right, which is understandable because a lot of it is just trash. Like, it just, it's really, I mean, there's plenty of rappers that talk about it, it ain't what, y'all, what we think it is. <laughs> you know, and the, you know, you lose your self a lot of the time because you don't get privacy anymore. There's no such thing as having any of that. So, yeah, it's interesting. And it's just, Kendrick has been very vocal that he does not care. He don't. No. Even after Control, which is one of the most controversial rap verses in hip-hop history, he even said, I did not mean for it to come out like that. I did not want that much attention to that verse. But yet, here here he is. That's what happened. Right, right. And that's where we're at with it. That's where we're at with it. But, with that being said, we 
are in our final stretch. We are going to play a game. Obviously, this past weekend was the Kentucky Derby. It's considered one of the most interesting sporting weekends, you know, because it's kind of like rich people's chances to bet on cattle because they can't do it with people anymore. Um, you know, so, you know, they all come down with the nice outfits and, you know, the antebellum era fits and the, and the, the you know, the pre-integration, you know, suits and whatnot, and, you know, and like, see here now, here now, boy, see here, see here, I'm, I'm going to take a hundred on that horse here. Like that, that they be coming out dressed like that now, and just like their grandfather used to buy Negroes. Right, right, right. And with all that being said, you know there was a big upset. Rich Strike had eighty-one eyes to win. He came out of nowhere to win after just getting acquired the Friday before, and just show up to win. That'd be like Kyrie taking the whole year off and then coming back and dropping thirty. <laughs> you know, and then complaining that the team has chemistry issues. You know, pretty much, yeah. Like that's 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 what we saw here, and but we're not here to talk about the Derby itself. We are here to talk about the horse names because some of the best names in all of anything are at the Derby. These horses be having crazy names, bro. Now I have to ask you, Jamal Brown, as the member of D1 Ignite University, if you had a chance to name a horse for the Kentucky Derby, what would you name your horse? So I got a question. Is it an appropriate name or an ignorant name? It could be whatever you want it to be. It could be appropriately ignorant. It could be ignorantly appropriate. Ignorantly appropriate? Okay. So if we're talking about just an appropriate name, I would name my horse Orion the Bolt because it sounds cool and bolt me fast. Mm-hmm. But if we talking about an ignorant name, I would name it Hose on the 15th. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. We like because hoes. Because no one moves faster than a hoe when she get her check on the 15th. It be like that. It be like that. I too have been a hoe on the 15th. So, so, <laughs> so, so I understand that. I understand it completely. Fellow hoes. Um, you know, now me. Now, if I'm going to do a regular name. Um, let's see. It would be something like. You know, picture perfect. You know, um, Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon, something cool like Flash. that, right? You know. Um, now, if I had to think of something ignorant, damn, they couldn't say his name if he won. Niggas in Paris. <laughs> we would have to get a black person to say it um, I would also I would also name them Irving Drew Irving Drew it's a proper name it don't mean nothing it's a horse so it don't have to be nothing <laughs> you know that's a terrible name I get it uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones though I would say I was gonna say Alfredo. I'm gonna say Zarya because that's the bitch in middle school that told me I was fine from the neck down. Yeah, that's true. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that that day. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we are going to end it on that note. <laughs> um, you know, they, they got me already. But this here, you know, I want to thank you, Jamal, for showing up and being here on the show. It's been a couple weeks, but it's cool to be back. You know, shout out to you. Hey, man, I'm always happy to be on the show. This is what we do. We talk test stuff. We are fueled by hatred and negativity. And you know what? Ignits, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, but also, we also fueled by love and emotions as well, too. Just, it's sometimes it's funnier the other way. But with that being if you, said... If you ask our girlfriends, we... Right, right. They, the they love us, yeah. And we love them. With that being said, this has been the Play-By-Play Analysis Podcast. It's your boy, Devin Ashby, SKA Play-By-Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't worry about it. And we got to get up out of here. So I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Deuces. Here we out.